Welcome back to another episode of She Mentors. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Eleanor Pendleton, an award-winning beauty editor who is the founder of Gritty Pretty, an online beauty magazine and website. I first saw Eleanor speak at a Business Chicks event earlier this year in Melbourne, and she was really down to earth and authentic. She said that she regularly turns down high-paying jobs if they don't fit with her brand values. And that really stuck out for me. And I thought I have to get her on the podcast to share her story, her journey, and what she's learned over her years in business. So let's jump straight into the interview. I really hope you enjoy it. Eleanor, thank you so much for being on the She Mentors podcast with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a privilege. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I actually saw you at the Business Chicks event in Melbourne a few months ago. And yes. I thought you were fantastic on that panel. And I thought you were really down to earth and kind of genuine. And I thought, right, I have to get you to speak at, on the She Mentors podcast. So I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your busy schedule to do it. Oh, um, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So just for people that aren't maybe familiar with Gritty Pretty and yourself, do you want to just give a little intro about that? Sure. Um, so my uh, my career background is in publishing. Um, so I started working in the world of print magazines as a beauty writer when I was just nineteen years old. Um, I'm a university university dropout. I didn't get to finish my degree because I was actually offered a full time role uh, when I was nineteen, and I went into the workforce working on Cosmopolitan's extension titles. Amazing. Um, and I ended up spending about uh, seven to eight years in print publications, working for various titles, uh, including the likes of Famous Magazine, InStyle Magazine. And uh, in 2000, uh, I think it was 2015, I decided to go freelance um, and basically just expand my skill set and write for various other publications. I really wanted to write for some newspapers. I wanted to write uh, beauty articles for websites internationally. Um, so I made that decision, which was a terrifying decision, <laughs> and was not easy to make, uh, to resign from my role uh, at InStyle Magazine. And um, in doing so, I obviously went freelance and I was freelancing for around about four months and I was able to write for publications like the Sydney Morning Herald and Harper's Bazaar and Body and Soul and a whole host of different publications. But at the same time, I had actually launched Gritty Pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, um, it started to gain traction and our readers uh, were starting to come on board with the site and uh, returning every week to the content that I would produce. And it was, yeah, probably in about four months that I decided, okay, I'm going to really focus on Gritty Pretty as a business um, and and grow it from there. And that's so, kind of yeah, where it all began. Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. So did you have, did you start Gritty Pretty when you were, freelancing or had you actually built the website when you were working full-time like what was that kind of transition okay so gritty pretty has really had two lives so technically I started the site um very early in 2010 when I was working as the beauty editor at famous magazine and at this point in time uh beauty blogs were non-existent 
they didn't exist within, within the internet, um, as you would say. And I really created it as an outlet because I was going to work every day at Famous Magazine and I wanted to read more about beauty and be inspired about beauty. But I was finding that there were only really fashion websites and fashion blogs, mostly from a lot of the Swedish and Scandinavian countries. So I started it back then in 2010. Um, and that was when, you know, Blogspot was you know, around before WordPress even existed as well. Um, and then it wasn't until I went to InStyle magazine and I took the role there as beauty editor that unfortunately I had to um, shut the site down. It was considered a conflict of interest um, oh. and I made, except it was a very hard decision to make, but I accepted that decision because I really wanted to focus on working for an international title. Mm. So I made that decision to basically let the site sit dormant um, during my, my time at the magazine. And then when I left my role uh, as beauty editor, that's when I restarted it again. So it's kind of had two lives. <laughs> mm. That that's, must have been quite a challenge when you were asked to sort of stop working on it. Yeah, you know what, it, it was. It was a really um, heartbreaking thing to hear. It was at, at, at a time where... I think blogs weren't really understood, particularly by traditional media. And at that point I was probably, I mean, I had a little bit of traffic, maybe about 20,000 uniques every month. And, you know, sometimes I do wonder what would have happened if I had continued it mm. um, from those earlier years. But at the same time, what I learnt uh, during my beauty editorship in style, I certainly do not regret or um, look unfavorably upon because I learnt so much discipline as a journalist whilst I was there um, and I was really able to hone my craft and really able to find my voice as a writer. Um, so if I had not had that time at InStyle, I don't think I would be the journalist that I am today. Um, so, yeah, I think mm, everything and, happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. And what did you build it on? Like did you build it yourself? Was it one of those like learning processes and then... Um, so originally, there, I think if you dig really, really deep in Google search, you can find the first, first iterations of the website. Um, I had a friend of mine who was a, uh, a coder, web developer. Yeah. He helped me build the site uh, back then. And then um, it was very basic, very black and white, very simple and static and no moving parts as, as it wasn't really possible back then. Um, and then it wasn't until I left in style and I decided, okay, I'm going to focus again on Gritty Pretty and I'm actually going to launch an online magazine component because, um, you know, in 2015 it, it no longer was original and there were plenty of beauty outlets and plenty of beauty blogs out there. So I needed another point of difference. So when I decided to create the online magazine, I had the site reskinned and redesigned um, and we moved across to a new uh, platform custom built on WordPress. So we don't use a template. Okay. And then what were the first steps from there? Because a lot of um, the people in the She Mentors uh, meetup group are just starting out in business or they're in their first couple of years. Can you remember mm. what that first 12 months was like when you launched the site and kind of how that evolved? Because obviously there would have been so many like up and downs and like, when did you start making oh money <laughs> from it? Like, can you remember that first Oh my God. Months? Did not make any money in the first year, <laughs> that is for sure. I spent money. Uh, I lost money. Um, no, the first year was a whirlwind. I kind of look back on it now and I, I, I wonder how I even got through it. I remember um, sitting in my sunroom 
um, I didn't even have a spare office at this stage. And I remember sitting in my sunroom and I would stay up until maybe four in the morning writing and designing alongside with my creative director, um, coming up with the template for this online publication. Um, I remember just being in this constant delirious state of being over fatigued, um, but still so motivated to create something new and something different. Um, I would work seven days a week. Like I said, most days I would get up at um, six and I would be working in my summer room at 6.30 and then um, my husband would come home from work, I would eat at my desk and then I would work all the way into the early hours of the morning. Mm. Um, And it was really, really hard. Um, I had one advertiser when I launched, I managed to, and sales is not my background. So that was a huge learning curve for me. I was kind of, you know, quite naive in that I just would walk into these media agencies and try to explain to them what Gritty Pretty Magazine was prior to launch. And that's quite difficult, you know, trying to sell a concept that doesn't yet exist. You cannot compare it to anything in the marketplace. Um, I could only show them um, images or, you know, um, drawn up um, sketches of what the magazine would look like. Um, but I couldn't show them any animation or anything like that because obviously it was being built. So that was really difficult. And I was walking into these agencies and basically saying, please, please, please <laughs> advertise in my online publication. Um, and for launch, I managed to secure one advertiser and that ended up being Balmain Fragrances. Um, and I'm forever grateful to them um, for, for taking a gamble and, and um, believing in Gritty Pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly for the first year um, and even the second, actually, it was really, really challenging and I was on my own. I was um, doing the sales. I was the writer. I was the editor. I was the stylist. I was um, designing as well. I was doing graphic design and trying to support my um, one of my best friends who was creative director of the magazine. And um, it was really, really hard. Um, it was probably the hardest thing I have ever done. Um, and, I, yeah, certainly don't sugarcoat that because I think it's very easy to look at the platform now and assume it's been easy, um, but it has not. And for every, you know, we have some amazing cover stars. We've shot everyone from Miranda Kerr um, to Lara Worthington to Shanina Shaikh. Some incredible faces have covered our online magazine, but for every single person who has said yes, I can guarantee you a hundred said no. Oh, really? I mean, it's so, like, kind of refreshing to hear you talk about struggles because, you're right. Like when you're just starting out in business, you do everything yourself. You do absolutely everything mm. yourself and you've got no money to sort of invest or spend on anything else. So it's really hard. So it's kind of like refreshing to kind of hear you say that. Did you, what were the steps in like getting a team or when did you start to see a shift mm-hmm. and think, oh, I think it's time to invest in a team or? Um, look, it happened. I, I'm a big believer in scaling thoughtfully. I've really taken my time to do so. Um, I think when you're growing a business, your biggest challenge that you face is cash flow. Um, whether you're a small business or large business, it doesn't really matter. It's the constant challenge that we all face. And I, I was quite risk averse in that I, you know, I could have taken a gamble and said, okay, I think we're going to do really well and I can maybe afford this person's salary. But I wanted to know for sure that I could. Um, I think it's a huge responsibility when you take that on. Um, so, I, so I really took my time with that. Um, and things happen very organically and very naturally. Uh, I think the first thing was I moved from my sunroom 
into um, an office that I uh, co-shared with a friend of mine, uh, Sarah Crampton, who is the founder of Harper and Harley and The Undone, and we shared an office together. It was big enough for four people, so she had someone, she could have someone and I could have someone. Um, and that happened purely because the beauty products were taking over my apartment. <laughs> and my husband was basically just like, you need to get these products out of our house because they're taking over our, our apartment. Um, so I took that co-lease and that was kind of like a low-risk next step. Um, it wasn't too daunting and too scary. The next thing that I did was I ended up hiring a beauty editor um, to assist me because the work was obviously doubling and tripling and quadrupling um, if I like to do that to myself. (laughs) And um, so I hired a beauty editor uh, and then from there we have grown to include a um, brand, brand partnerships manager, a beauty director, we still have our incredible creative director. We have another senior designer and we have a brand development manager. Oh, wow. um, so it's happened slowly and organically. Um, but I would say that most growth has actually happened this year, which is technically our third year in business. Mm. But I look, I also will say as well, I still take the rubbish out and I still go to the post office. So You do yeah. all those so, things, yeah. <laughs> You've got to do it, haven't you? You've got to take the time yeah. when you can. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, like in those early days, you know, when you said you were like going in and sort of selling the product and um, what, like what kind of traffic were you getting then and how did you drive more traffic to a somewhat unknown beauty site? I think maybe then it was maybe like 30,000 unique browsers um, in the super early days. Well, I think what's quite unique about Gritty Pretty is um, because of Instagram, so obviously Gritty really Pretty launched in 2010 and because of Instagram, I had created an account like most people did when Instagram launched in 2011 and I was working um, as a beauty editor at the time for various magazines and I kind of started garnering this social media following very naturally of my personal account. Mm-hmm. Then when I left InStyle, started focusing again on Gritty Pretty, like Gritty Pretty didn't even have its own Instagram account. So I created one. Um, and I think I was very fortunate that the people who followed me personally on Instagram then very quickly transitioned over to Gritty Pretty and once I had launched again they very quickly um, started reading the site so I was very lucky that I was able to funnel that traffic from my personal Instagram following through to grittypretty.com um and that's how that's our approach the entire time. I think um, we've utilised our channels. Like Facebook's a little bit harder now, obviously uh, these days with the algorithm and the fact that you have to pay for for any of your eyeballs to be on it. Um, but we've managed to just basically push our traffic from social over to the site and then vice versa. Mm. And do you do Certainly, any? Yeah. I was going to say, do you do any paid search like AdWords or anything like that? No, I've never done that. Really? I've never, no, I've never done that. Um, I probably should nowadays, shouldn't I? Well, um, it depends we, if you need it. You probably don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you search um, top Sydney hair salons, uh, our article on Gritty Pretty will be the very first thing that comes mm. up, and that's just because we have so much traffic that now goes mm. to the site. Um, but this year is actually the first year in the last six months, so um, actually since June 1st, we've started um, doing a little, little bit more Facebook marketing and Instagram mm. marketing. Um, but aside from that, that's what we've ever done. Mm. And so 
You've obviously evolved now to e-commerce, haven't you? So what was yeah. that? Yeah, which sounds really exciting. So what was that journey like? And was that because you needed sort of more revenue or you just thought, I really want to be like, advertising products and selling products to our customers? I think for me, it was more about what service and experience we can offer. I felt um, that in Australia, if you purchased um, from, a, from a beauty retailer, um, you know, depending on whether you bought a $15 liner lip slip balm or you bought a $300 helmet lang fragrance, you still deserved, deserved this incredible experience of luxury and I wanted to create this ritual um, of from the moment you purchase something online to the moment that order comes to you in the mail you feel really, really special. Um, and I think, you know, we often talk about the net porter experience and they've obviously set the bar in terms of um, packaging and service and, and how your orders will arrive. And I know that whenever we, you know, girls in the office, uh, whenever we order something, you know, you get so excited by it. And I wanted to create that feeling and that experience for our readers uh, in the gritty, pretty way. Um, given that we have um, such an edited approach to our editorial content, I also just felt it was a natural, really natural next progression to be able to stock product that you could purchase from us, um, that you would know it has been BD Editor approved. You've read about it on the site before. So if you could purchase it, then why couldn't we gritty pretty give you that experience mm. um so for me it was more about just making the journey of visiting grittypretty.com a three three sixty experience really yeah. yeah I love that and do you think that one of the reasons it's so, so successful is because you don't have that like no bullshit you're actually reviewing things and being like super strict on whether you um recommend them or not because that's what I liked about your presentation at business chicks Thank do you think you. that's been a reason why it's been so successful I think so. I mean, look, I'm a beauty editor. I've been a beauty editor for 10 years now and I can still walk into, you know, a particular um, store or up to a particular counter and I will feel overwhelmed. I will feel um, completely bamboozled by all the product that is on display and I'm someone who's pretty well-versed and pretty experienced in that domain. So, you know, when I think of my friends or I think of my mom and my sister, and the feelings that they must have when they walk, you know, up to a counter and just, you know, feel really confused. Is this really going to change my skin? Is this really good for me? Is this ingredient really good for me? Um, you know, is this mascara truly going to lengthen my lashes and give me the curl and volume that it promises it will? Um, I think there's a lot of marketing bullshit out there and our job as beauty editors and beauty journalists is to cut through that. We will very willingly put our body and faces on the line and mm -hmm. test a lot of product um, so that, you know, you know that whatever you read on Gritty Pretty has been tested and, and it is efficacious and it is going to be worth your money at the end of the day. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th I think that's the reason. I'm a pretty no BS kind of person, so I mm -hmm. think it just from that <laughs> yeah and you've actually turned down advertisers haven't you for who don't align with your brand values can you talk to that a little bit uh yeah for sure I look I'm a big believer um in the fact that my 
I want my business to have longevity. I want um, you know my career to go on for a very, very long time. I love what I do and I want to be doing this for a very, very long time. And if we were to align ourselves with a client or a beauty brand that is not in line with the values um, of our reader and it's not of interest to her, it's not something that she will purchase her hard-earned money on, then we will not work with them for mm. any dollar value. Um, it, it, it's the policy we've always maintained. It's something that will never change. And, you know, look, it, it, some people might think, oh, is that really hard when you've got to turn down, you know, substantial amounts of investment, um, you know, from a brand? And my answer is always no. I have no problem turning it down and even you know back when I was working on my summer room and I had no money and I didn't know if I could even afford to buy tuna and rice <laughs> um I had still had no problem turning work down because at, at the end of the day I think integrity um and credibility is worth more than money mm. I think I agree with you I think that's a fantastic attitude to have particularly in a crowded industry where you don't know if products are going to work because you just don't understand what the ingredients are and the marketing sounds amazing but you're right like I have no idea if it's going to work or not so yeah and look we're really honest with the fact that every woman is different you know your skin type is very different to my skin type so therefore it may respond to a product or an ingredient differently Mm. Uh, but we will give you the best well-researched written answer and information about that product that we possibly can. Um, and I think creating that level of trust between our reader is something that's taken time. But, um, you know, it's also something I'm really, really proud of because we definitely have a two-way dialogue with our reader. Yeah, it's great. Um, so with the She Mentors events that I run in Melbourne, um, often we talk about the high points and the low points of building a business because that's what it's really all about, just being like transparent and kind of mm-hmm. sharing those issues. Have you... Um, what are your sort of best moments of your career today? And then what are like the worst points or the low points? Okay. Well, the best high point happened last Wednesday. Um, <laughs> so I walked out of a meeting um, with Chanel and Chanel approached us, uh, approached Gritty Pretty and said, we really want to work with you and we really want to create uh, three consumer reader events with you, um, with Gritty Pretty. And that for me was like mind blowing. I still am processing it. Oh, wow. And I went home and I went home and I cried just from happiness. Um, because I think you work so hard for something and then for what is, I believe, one of the biggest brands in the entire world to take notice and to want to align theirs to yours. Um, it was incredibly humbling. So I'm really, really excited about these events that we will be hosting um, in Melbourne on the 22nd of November, in Sydney on the 27th of November and in Brisbane on the 29th. Wow, that's fantastic. What kind of events are they? I don't want to give away too much, but it's going to be very interactive. We are going to have so much product there that you can be able to play with 
we're going to be talking about all things beauty uh, and particularly makeup moving into the holiday season. Um, but it's going to be very experiential. It's going to be really, really fun. You're going to be able to get your hands dirty and just play with it, you know, as many Chanel products as you would like. Um, so it's going to be really, really incredible. I think. That's fantastic. And did you have contact with Chanel before that or had they just approached you out of the blue? Yeah, I've had a relationship with them for a very long time. And I think that's also one thing I'm really honest about. I think a lot of people might view my business or be gritty pretty and wonder, oh, how, how does she have all these relationships with brands? Um, but the reality is that I worked in magazines as a beauty editor for eight years prior. So I've had these relationships for almost a decade now. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about the relationship building, isn't it? And reaching out. Yeah. like, And also, like, if you don't reach out, like me reaching out to you even – you just you never you never know what people are going to say so it's it's all about that's that. very true yeah, yeah absolutely um and your worst moment so obviously that was your one of your best moments uh, yeah I've, I've had some I've definitely had some low moments and again I think this is what I love so much about your podcast is that you talk about these because um they should be talked about I'm very much the sort of person who wears their heart on their sleeve and I am very open and honest about the challenges and how hard it is to run a business. I mean, aside from, um, you know, just the daily pressure and the struggles that you might face and just the responsibility that you have as well, um, running and leading a team. Um, you know, I've experienced in the past um, people coming into my team that were not the right fit. Um, I've had people come in and make major breaches of contract and create competitor sites, um, you know, whilst they've been working for me. And that was really, really eye-opening. That was an experience that was deeply upsetting to me and I was incredibly hurt when that happened. Um, But had it not happened, I wouldn't have learned from it. Mm. Um, And then there's just, you know, the daily things. Like right now I'm dealing with a commercial real estate agent and, the joys of that um, so there's all different um lows I would say um there hasn't been I think one in particular that sticks out in my mind as a truly bad bad day but mm. there have definitely been many I just I'm not the sort of person that likes to dwell dwell on negativity I'm a big believer in you know if you make mistakes or if something bad happens just hurry up and make it fast so that we can move on um, yeah and on onto positive things because I think, um, you know, positive energy breeds positivity. And if you put too much of your energy into something negative, then it's only going to multiply. So I actually think maybe that's why I don't really remember the bad days, Mm. Um, but I I can promise that I've had them. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you've gone through, yeah, some difficult things. I think a lot of people, it's that scaling phase that is very difficult because your business is your baby. And it's very hard to kind of like share that with people. And then you've obviously had some difficulties there, which is a shame. Um, yeah, look, I'm really good at delegating. <laughs> I uh, actually don't have um, any real issues in letting go, so to speak. Um, I'm a big believer that when you pull together an incredible team, and I, I also really believe this particularly when we shoot as well, when you, when you um, orchestrate a team and you pull these talented individuals together, So long as you don't micromanage them um, and you don't control, I guess, the brief too much, that is when, that's just when magic happens and that's when everybody who is gifted and is talented and who you've brought on board can do what they do best. Um, I think if you micromanage too much, that is when um, 
I think I just think it comes out in the work. Mm. So I actually don't have that problem um, in letting go. Um, it's more I'm just really stretched for time. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sounds really like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so what advice would you give to potentially beauty bloggers um, or people just starting out? What advice would you give to them to sort of get going? I think... I mean, look, when I started and when they start, if they were to start now, I do think it's important to recognise it is probably harder now more than ever. Mm. Um, And there are several reasons for that. Um, It's got to do with the fact that the market is now oversaturated. So standing out is harder than ever. Finding your voice is harder than ever. Um, But it certainly is possible. And for, and for that, what I say by that is, I mean, there are always going to be like-minded people like you. You know, if, if you love something, there's always going to be someone else out there who loves mm. that as well. So it certainly is possible to cut through, but you do need a point of difference. You do need a very clear aesthetic. Um, you need a very clear tone of voice and that needs to remain consistent. Um, there's too much, I think, of the same same. So there's no point even looking to start a beauty blog if it's all going to, you know, just replicate someone else's because it's been done before. Mm. Um, So I think certainly finding your point of difference, finding yourself a little bit of a business plan is always really helpful. Um, I didn't want to do that when I started. (laughs) No one does. I kind of, no, no one does, but (laughs) I was very much, um, you know, I'm kind of more of a, um, I think a eagle-eyed sort of person and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's all in my head and I know exactly what I'm going to do and my husband said to me, you need to write this down. (laughs) So I downloaded a business plan off the internet and I wrote everything down and every, you know, year I'll go back and I'll have a read of it. Mm. Um, And I think that's really important because sometimes what you have in your head isn't until you are faced with the question of, you know, who are you know, who are you appealing to? Who is, you know, your site for? Who are you going to be talking to? It's not until perhaps you see that question written down that you actually truly start to consider it. Um, So write a business plan, have a very clear understanding of your aesthetic, of your voice, and just keep going. (laughs) You're going to want to, you will definitely have times where you want to give up. Um, you will 100% have times where you just want to give up and you're going to ask yourself if it's worth it. But if you truly, truly love it, then you have to keep going. Mm. And how do you stay inspired? Do you listen to podcasts or books? How, do, how is it that you stay motivated? Yeah, I love podcasts. I have quite the drive uh, from my home to my office. I drive from the northern beaches of Sydney to South Sydney where our gritty, pretty office is. Um, it's about an hour every day and... I always listen to podcasts. Um, I read a lot of books, but um, mostly books actually outside of my industry. I'm really inspired by other by other entrepreneurs and, and business owners and their journeys, not necessarily within my industry. Um, there's an incredible um, book called New Wave Vision, and it's written by a friend of mine, Hayden Cox. And he works in the surfing industry. And hearing his journey and what he's had to go through has been so inspiring to me because you can learn from, you know, his mistakes essentially. And whilst they might not be actually applicable to my industry, you can still learn things about business itself. 
Um, so I definitely read. I definitely listen to podcasts. Um, I have a lot of friends who are also business owners and I talk to them a lot. My dad's a business owner, so I talk to him quite a lot about it. Um, and I think that's kind of it, really. Oh, yeah. yeah, That sounds just the same as me. I'm all about the podcast, lots of books. I just, yeah, it's the only way to kind of stay motivated. And I think if you're multitasking, like driving or even cooking, I'll have like an earphone and listening to a podcast. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and if you can, look, try and get a mentor as well. Yeah. Um, I, my very first mentor was Zoe Foster-Blake when I started um, as an intern and then I went for a few years and I didn't have one and it wasn't until about a year ago that I reached out to two different people um, one that I had worked with and one that I hadn't and I basically just said will you be my mentor and yeah. so I catch, catch up with them twice a year and basically just brain dump on them and <laughs> um, get plenty of advice from them as well. Yeah, I think that's great. So just wrapping up then, what exciting things have you got coming up aside from the, the event you spoke about? What other things have you got lined up? Um, we are currently working on our December issue of the online magazine and we're shooting someone really fantastic for that. Um, so we're currently in the thick of that and producing that. We're obviously planning our events. Um, and that's going to be a huge focus for us next year. There's a few passion projects that I really want to get off the ground. Um, one of them is called Women with Grit, which is a, a really small, intimate event series that I want to pull together for women who, in particular, who want to start their own beauty brand. Yeah, I think there are a lot of incredible brands, um, you know, that are out there being cooked up in, you know, kitchens. And um, I basically want to pull together a space where they can come together, share their struggles. And, you know, also, you know, share their contacts and, and we can provide them with advice as to how to get coverage, how to, you know, handle social media, all those different elements. Um, so that's something that I really want to get off the ground next year. Mm, that sounds so exciting. I bet my members will absolutely love to hear more about that. So, um, yeah, keep me posted with how that goes and I'm happy to promote it within my network because they're all women in business looking to either launch products or businesses so definitely yeah keep me up to date with that and where can people find out more about you uh you can find out most about me I think on my personal Instagram account that's where I am every single day (laughs) um so you can just find me at Eleanor Pendleton fabulous well thank you so much for being on the She Mentors podcast really appreciate your time thank you so much for having me my pleasure I hope you enjoyed that episode with Eleanor Pendleton. I absolutely love chatting with her. I thought she was super down to earth, really humble, and she's got stacks of integrity about her brand, which is something I think all of us can learn a lot from. You can go and check out her website, Gritty Pretty. Uh, Tons of really, really good, no bullshit beauty reviews on there. And you should follow her on Instagram as well because she's all over that, lots of behind the scenes, uh, which is really fun to watch. Now, if you're in Melbourne, um, I'd absolutely love to see you at one of our events. They are aimed at women in business. We have them every six weeks and we get people like Eleanor coming up on stage and sharing their stories. We have a glass of wine, network. It's fantastic. We've also recently launched a membership site. Uh, It's all about connecting with an incredible community of mentors. There's free events, there's business masterclasses, 
uh, tons of content. Uh, so if you're interested, you can jump across to the website. You can join the waitlist there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at SheMentors. And if you're feeling generous and you're enjoying these episodes, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. I'll catch you guys next time.